got your Bibles, Colossians chapter 4, and as I mentioned just a few moments ago, um, just wrapping up this incredible letter, divinely inspired, authoritative instruction for a young church in a city called Colossae that was throwing, uh, throwing, they were thriving, they were growing, invented a new word there, they're throwing, and, uh, and, and they are, they love each other. They're on mission together, and uh, God is just doing a mighty work through this young church. And so Paul is, is writing this letter from a Roman prison. And in this letter, there is a central theme that, that is throughout, and that is found in Colossians 2.10. And, and it says this, it says, you have been filled in him. Another way to say that would be you are complete in him, which means that when you have a relationship with Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ, then he has gifted you every resource that you need to become all that he's called you to be. And he has gifted you with his spirit, his presence dwelling inside of you as a believer. He has gifted us with the divine inspired authored word of God. And he has also given us the church, the church, the body of Christ, a family. We are the family of God. That is the central theme of this text this morning is we are family. And we're going to see that through these verses. But in scripture, we see God has created us for a relationship with God. He's created you to have a relationship with God through Christ. And he's created us to have a relationship with others, his church. The Bible teaches us that from the very beginning, relationships and living in community is so essential to God's design and God's mission. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, right out of the gate of creation, God made Adam and he saw that it was not good that the man would be alone, but I will make for him a suitable helper. He saw Adam and he said, this isn't good. This brother needs some help. And so, so he has designed us for relationship. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Hand me a page of a phone book. I will rip it in half. Hand me a phone book. Not going to happen. All right. It, there, there is strength in family. There's strength in community. And that's what's important for us is to just keep in mind is that God has designed us to be a part of a family. Even earlier in the, in the letter of Colossians, Paul says that he prays their hearts are encouraged because they would be knit together in love. It's the picture of almost like a, a quilt that's been threaded together. Every thread is unique, but every thread is intertwined with the whole, with the whole, um, the, the whole clothing piece. It's just all there together. Paul was no lone ranger. Paul understood that just, he understood the importance of community, that it wasn't just essential. It was essential, not just for his life. It was essential for the mission that God has entrusted his church with a mission. If you read the book of Acts, you will see Paul accompanied by and serving alongside at least 100 other believers that are named in the book of Acts. If you look at the, the letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 16, it's the last letter of Romans. 
And in that, you will see 16 names that Paul lists. And this is actually a, a theme of his letters as he will wrap up these letters by giving a, a, a greeting or a salutation, giving specific names to those that he has served alongside of. And he's going to do the very same in Colossians as we look at this passage. And what Paul's doing, he's painting a picture of the body of Christ on mission together as a family. Now, imagine, and maybe you've done this recently, but every, imagine everybody from your family shows up to a family reunion, okay? I'm thinking, like, you're going you're gonna to see it all, aren't you? I mean, it's going to be unique. You're going to have different vocations. You're going to have different interests. You're going to have different experience. And everybody gathered together uniquely in a family. Even if you look at our history, maybe as a family, maybe you've done that, that Ancestry.com or 23andMe, kind of learn about your ancestry. I've been told this, uh, but I've been told that, that I am a relative to Woodrow Wilson, a president from back in the day. And then also my dad gifted me a, a little book. It's an autobiography from my cousin Rui, uh, who years ago spent time in Alcatraz with Al Capone. So, so in my family, we had presidents and we had prisoners. And, and we're like all in between, okay? So maybe you can relate. A unique family. We're all in a unique family, but we are also a part as believers, as in the unique family of God. And here's what we're going to look at is what does this faith family look like? What does it look like? He's going to walk us through the first thing is that we'll see is that a family, a faith family sends out their best, sends out their best. Look at verses seven through nine. The Bible says this, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and what he may encourage and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Tychicus and Onesimus entrusted with a great responsibility, and that was to take the divinely inspired letters to deliver them to the church. That he sent them out to deliver them these letters. They were entrusted. They were faithful. We can learn so much from these guys. Tychicus, Tychicus, we're first introduced to him in Acts, he is mentioned five times in the New Testament. His name means fortunate. And so some would see Tychicus's life as we learn about it a little bit here and be like, I don't know that I would consider that fortunate considering all he went through with Paul. But I would say as a believer, what a fortunate privilege to have been able to share life and live on mission with Paul. He was there. He was there with him. After the riot in Ephesus, Paul was accompanied by seven other believers. They're mentioned in Acts chapter 20. Tychicus was one of those. Paul had gone around and, and the, the, the church in, in Jerusalem was, was impoverished. And so Paul is kind of making his journey around. He's taking a love offering from Gentile churches to take a love offering to Jerusalem. And so he brings Tychicus is one of those guys that he brings along with him. And I think for lots of reasons, but one was I believe he wanted the leadership in the Jerusalem church to network with leadership in Gentile churches all over that God has designed us as his church to serve and work 
together. They lived a lot of life together. As they were on their way to Jerusalem, they were warned multiple times, trouble awaits. <laughs> Imagine everywhere you go saying, hey, you realize trouble awaits in Jerusalem. Trouble awaits you in Jerusalem. Trouble awaits you in Jerusalem. But he was right there every step of the way. They survived murderous plots. He was by his side when Paul stood before Felix and Festus and Agrippa. He was on that voyage, that crazy boat ride from Caesarea all the way to Rome and the shipwreck. He was there all along the way. And now we see this is the first Roman imprisonment of Paul and he's right there by his side. And if we fast forward 2 Timothy, this was the last letter Paul wrote uh, while he was in his second Roman imprisonment, shortly before he would be martyred for his faith. And we see there that Tychicus was right there by his side. It's been said that our greatest ability is dependability. And so in this family, you see this, this faith family, and they're dependable in the mission of God. And now, 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 Tychicus and Onesimus, they have been entrusted with these divinely inspired letters. They're going to not only travel from Rome across Italy, they're going to cross the Adriatic Sea. They're going to cross over Greece on foot. Then they're going to cross over the Aegean Sea. And once they make it to Asia Minor, then they're going to travel another hundred miles to, to get to Colossae. He has entrusted them. Paul says he's beloved. He's family. He's faithful minister. He's a fellow servant on mission. He's a dear friend. Paul sends out his best. And he doesn't just send out Tychicus, but he sends Onesimus. Now I mentioned that family gathering. Let's say you get all your family together. And, and, and I'm thinking there's probably going to be somebody there in the house that has a past. All right. Can anybody resonate in here? You had a past. God's rescued you. Okay. Onesimus was rescued. I love this. He had a past. And God works, works. He accepts us as we are and he changes us for mission and for his glory. Onesimus was the runaway slave from Philemon. He ran away. Philemon was, a, was, was in Colossae, one of the church leaders there. It's possible that the church met in Philemon's house. If you're familiar, there's a, there's a letter to Philemon. Actually, Onesimus and Tychicus would have not only taken the letter of Colossians, but they also would have took Ephesians and Philemon. And so they're delivering these letters, and Onesimus ran away. He ran away. He ran away. He ran all the way from Colossae to Rome. My hunch is he wanted to get in a crowd and just kind of fade into the background, just kind of disappear. But it just so happened, guess who he runs into? Paul. And guess what Paul does? Paul shares the gospel. And guess what happens? Onesimus repents of his sin and places his faith and trust in Christ. And his story is changed forever. Just last week, we were walking through the verses leading up to where we're at today. And Paul says this, Colossians 4, 3. He says, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. This was Paul's mature seasoned love God more than anything prayer his prayer was that while in prison doors would be open and here it is Onesimus comes to faith in Christ and now Onesimus is returning to Colossae with this letter to Philemon and Paul is urging to forgive him to welcome him as a brother who is one of you 
I love this. When a person comes to Christ, his past is no longer an issue. Paul didn't condemn him. Paul commissioned him. Anyone who is Christ is a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul would often teach, Galatians 3.28, that neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. We're a family. We're a family. And here it is, Paul saying of Onesimus, this is my faithful brother, my beloved brother. He's one of you. He's our family. I love that passage. And I love that in in. In, in this thread here, we also see, and I'm going to circle back around to it towards the end, but I just want to say this, regardless of your past, regardless of the mistakes you've made, regardless of whether you think your resume is impressive or not, there is a place for you in the family of God. And I love that he specifically notates Onesimus, a family is out their best. I mean, think about it. Paul could have been super selfish. Not Onesimus, not Tychicus. They're faithful, they're beloved, right? They're, sometimes our greatest abilities, our dependability, they are dependable, they are on mission. And Paul could have been like, no, 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 I want them to stay right here with me. I want to stay real close because they are awesome. And what would I ever do if I ever lost them? But instead, he sends them out. And this is what I hope by God's grace, that we will be able to see as a faith family in the years to come, is that we will see men and women who have a calling on their lives to follow God's call to the mission field and be sent out all over the world. I pray that we will have families in our local faith family here that will say, you know what, God has so moved on my heart I know of a fresh work, a church planning effort that's going on in this city or in this city. And I just really feel compelled that God is calling us to raise up and to go and to serve in whatever city. That we have men in this room that may have a calling to be a pastor and to shepherd a flock. I pray we will be able to see more and more of that. And what we will do is we will be sad because... You know, we don't want to see them go, but you know what we're going to do? We are going to send out, we're going to commission them, we're going to encourage them, we're going to love on them, we're going to support them, because this is what God has designed the faith family to do, to train up and to send out. And we celebrate that. I'm so thankful that the past two churches I've served at, one as a youth pastor, one as a campus pastor, is that in each of those churches, we were sad, we hugged necks, we loved each other. But you know what? They commissioned my family. Uh, we're, not, we're not losing here, we're actually gaining. We're gaining. And so a principle that is so true of the church is we gain by losing. <laughs> and so uh, we send out our best. God, help us. I hope we see it. Help us. Another thing we see is that a family works through the mess. Works through the mess. Family works the mess. Look at verses 10 and 11. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. What we see is these three brothers right here that are listed. That these were the only three three Jewish 
converts, new believers that partnered with Paul in this season of ministry for the mission of God. I mean, I mean process that a little bit. Paul, Paul even in, among his own people, his own people that, that he has seen and grown up with and, and, and many given their, given their lives to Christ. Here's these three guys, these three guys that are willing to walk and live out on mission for him. Paul understood rejection even from his native people. But look at Aristarchus. He says he's a fellow prisoner. It literally means one caught with a spear. We are first introduced to Aristarchus during Paul's three-year ministry in Ephesus. I mentioned a riot in Ephesus. He was there. He was there at the riot. And he was there all along the way through the rioting mob. He was associated with Paul. He, he accompanied Paul to Jerusalem and then to Caesarea. He was on that wild ship voyage as well that ended up shipwrecked and on his way to Rome. And here he is right by Paul in the prison in Rome. Think about this. This brother, he gave up his own freedom in order to minister to Paul the missionary's needs. He gave up his, his livelihood. This is a picture of brotherhood, friendship, calling. Imagine all that they worked through. <laughs> they worked through a mess. I mean, it's been said that, Paul, two things are going to happen. Either a riot is going to happen or a revival. It's going to be one of those two. And here he is all along the way. All along the way, right by his side. What commitment. He could have checked out. He could have checked out. But you see this friendship. You know, one thing that makes a friendship strong, a family strong, is going through hardship together. They had been through a lot. They had been through so much. He says, Aristarchus sends his greetings. And then he says, Mark. This is John Mark. We open the, the Bible to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is that Mark. Also known as John Mark, we're first introduced, introduced to John Mark in Acts chapter 12. The early church in Jerusalem actually gathered at his home. It was the, Mary, the house of Mary. This would be the home where they were having an intense prayer session while Peter is in prison in Jerusalem there. And an angel leads Peter out of that prison. Peter goes to the house of Mary. This would have been John Mark's house and would have knocked on the door. This is his house. This is where he was first introduced to Peter. And Peter became a lifelong mentor to him. And he invested his life. But this was his life. John Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement. So the first missionary journey of Paul, it was Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas says, hey, let's bring John Mark. Let's bring my cousin, maybe a nephew. Let's bring him along. And so he brings him along. And somewhere along the way, we don't know exactly what happened but he checked out. John Mark left the mission to go back home. Now, I don't want to give John Mark grief. I don't know exactly what was going on, but it could have been a number of things. He, he could have been homesick. He could have missed his mom. He could have missed their, their home. He could have missed his livelihood. He could have uh, perhaps been jealous that maybe Barnabas wasn't leading out like Paul was taking too much of a lead. I mean, that can happen. You know, you kind of get a little jealousy. I don't know. It could have been that the work was just simply too hard. It was too hard. He's like, I'm done. This is, too, this is too difficult. But here's the thing. It came back around, and now Paul is going to go on a second missionary journey with Barnabas. And Barnabas says, hey, let's bring John Mark. And Paul says, no. He says, no, don't bring him. 
the Bible says a sharp disagreement arose between them and they agreed to depart ways. They departed ways. But here's the thing. When the letter of Colossians is being written, when this letter is being written, Mark has changed. He was restored through the ministry of Peter, a son in the faith, Peter refers to him. And I love this because who else could talk and counsel and shepherd somebody through failure more than Peter? Right? Don't you think, I, can, I, can, I don't know that it happened like this, but I almost see Peter with an arm around John Mark and saying, hey, your failure isn't final, okay? It's not over. By God's grace, you can repent, turn, move forward. And so you have Peter mentoring him. You have Barnabas, the son of encouragement. What a blessing that this is your cousin. And they're pouring into his life. The Bible says in Philemon 24, it lists Mark as one of his fellow workers. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, again, that last letter of Paul, he says, get Mark, bring him to me because he's useful to me. And I love that they didn't give up on him. Because it's tempting at times to want to give up, but they never gave up. A family works through the mess. They work through the mess. Paul says, welcome him. Welcome him. Jesus, justice. I mean, how would you like that for a name? Like, out of the gate, like, you have a big name to live up to, okay? Jesus is your first name, and justice, which means righteousness, is your second name. He had a Jewish name. He had a Roman name. Jesus, justice. Jesus meaning Savior, Joshua in Hebrew, Savior, and then righteousness. And we don't know much, but here's what we know about Jesus' justice. We knew that he was one of three that were bold and courageous enough to walk alongside Paul. And we understand that it took, it took a lot of courage to stand when, when, when it wasn't a popular thing to stand for Christ and alongside Paul. A family works through the mess. He was a comfort. The Bible says they were a comfort. But then we see Epaphras, verse 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Now, that name may sound familiar because when we, very, when we started this, this series, Walking Through Colossians, we are introduced to Epaphras. Epaphras made a journey to Ephesus one day. And of all people, divine appointment, he runs into Paul. Paul shares the gospel. He's faithful. Epaphras repents of his sins, places faith and trust in Christ. Epaphras goes back to Colossae and starts a church. <laughs> he becomes a believer. He starts a church. That, that's amazing. And, and he starts this church. And so Epaphras is the church planter, pastor for Colossae. But now he's with Paul in Rome because he needed some guidance, some instruction. And what you see is that he's laboring earnestly. He says he's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. That he was, he was laboring earnestly. The same description of Epaphras praying for his church and his faith family is the same word used for Jesus Christ praying in Luke 22 in the place of crushing the Garden of Gethsemane. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it also speaks the same word of grueling competition endured by athletes. This brother agonized in prayer for his people. 
And it wasn't just random prayers, it was specific prayers. He prayed that they would mature. He prayed that they would know God's will. He prayed for the Colossians. He prayed for the Laodiceans. He prayed for those in Hierapolis. He is so specific and so intentional with his prayers. And he's just, he's laboring in prayer. And Paul says this, he says in verse 13, I bear witness. And so I don't know exactly what it looked like, but I can imagine they're in the prison cell and here's Paul and he's doing his thing, whatever he's doing. And here's Epaphras and he is just pleading and laboring in prayer for the people of the church. He is laboring for the family of God. And Paul's saying, he, he could have described all these guys in different ways, but he, he chose to specifically talk about his prayer life. That this was different. He stuck out. This was his prayer. Sure, they all prayed, but he prayed earnestly. One pastor, John Jowett, says this. He says, praying that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. And he commends his prayer. A family works through the mess, but a family prays through the mess too. I mean, they're just, they're working through the mess. And then there's Luke, verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Luke, the beloved physician, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, this is him. This is Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. He's probably the only Gentile author in all of the Bible. This guy's incredible. He was Paul's personal physician. I kind of, a little bit of me laughs a little bit because, I mean, Paul literally needed a physician with him everywhere he went because you just never knew what was going to happen. And so, like, here's Luke, a personal physician, converted Gentile believer. He joined Paul in his second missionary journey and was with him the whole way. Luke surrendered, I love this, his special talent to the Lord for the mission of God. That he was the first medical missionary. That he might not have been the one up front, but he was in the work and he had entrusted what God had given him into furthering the mission to which may we all be encouraged. Whatever it is that God has entrusted to you, He wants to use it to further the mission. He wants to do it. Luke, I love it. He was a beloved companion to Paul. And when it came to choose between money or mission, Luke chose mission. Luke chose mission. I, I, I couldn't imagine there would be a dollar amount that you could put in front of Dr. Paul, or excuse me, Dr. Luke, and just slide this away and say, hey man, like, could set up an incredible practice you'll be very you know wealthy like life will go well like it'll all be good but for for Luke not for everybody but for Luke for Luke it was this calling of no I I, I need to give up and I need to serve alongside Paul and I want to I'm in it for the long haul I'm in it for the mission and so Paul is taking this gospel of Christ to a desperate world and Luke was right there with him through all the mess through all the mess he was there and then there's Demas Demas is mentioned here once. He's mentioned in Philemon verse 24 as a fellow laborer. But again, 2 Timothy, that last letter is Paul's in his second imprisonment before he's martyred. Here's what he says. Such a sad, sad testimony. But the Bible says this. He says, do your best to come to me. Paul's talking to Timothy. He said, for Demas is in love with this present world and he has deserted me and he's gone to Thessalonica. So Demas loved the world more than he loved God. And he deserted him. He gave it up. And, and so one of the tough realities is that as we walk through this, 
is that there will be those who let us down along the way. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus had Judas, Paul has Demas. And so you see this family, they're working through loss. They're working through mess. How grieved was Paul? How how grieved was Paul when when Demas was no longer on the journey? That he fell in greater love with the world than he did with the Creator. But we see a, a third truth, and that is this, a family partners with others. A family partners with others. Verses 15 and 16 of Colossians 4 says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Here's why I love this. I love that that God's design for His church is that it is a commission. We call it the Great Commission. It's because it's a great co-mission. That we have this mission, and God has called us to live out this mission to make Him known and to make disciples. He's called us to do it co, with others. That churches are designed to network and strengthen and encourage one another in gospel ministry. I do, I thank God for every Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, disciple-making church. I know oftentimes we'll pray just for all of our churches because, because we need all of our churches and we need more churches. Is that, that there is zero competition in the family of God that we celebrate, that we're in this together. The Sunday after I was voted in as, as, as pastor for the church, I believe it was the it was definitely the week following, but I received an email from Pastor Whit Lewis at Longview, uh, and, and he just reached out and he said, he said, Jared, he said, I want you to know we love you. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for First Baptist. He said, I'm so thrilled you're here. He said, we've been praying for your church. He said, if there's ever anything I can do, please let me know. I look forward to serving alongside you, winning this community for Jesus. And then just the other day, I say the other day, it might have been a month or uh, so-ish, but right down the street, Pastor Dean from LaBelle Haven, he gave me a call. He said, said, hey, Jared, he said, we're doing a revival uh, kind of lunch, revival services at night, a lunch Bible study during the day. Would you want to come and and hang out for lunch? I said, absolutely. I mean, who's going to turn down lunch, right? And so so I I, I head on down, and and he greets me there and sits me down. Bob Pittman, maybe many of you may know him, faithful servant of the Lord at Kirby Woods for years, and he was teaching there. And we sat down, had an awesome meal. The encouragement was amazing. And then, so everybody has the meal, and then he's going to pray it in and then turn it over to pastor or brother bob to to share the word and he says before we get started uh church i just want to take a moment i want to introduce you to to jared he's the pastor now at first baptist olive branch and he just stopped everything and he just looked right at me he said i want you to know we love you he said i want you to know we love your church he said i want you to know we've been praying for your church he said i want you to know how excited we are to serve alongside you in the mission amen i mean that's how it is We are called to mission and we're called together. Praise God for the co-mission. Paul was no Lone Ranger. He 
had many who served alongside him. And so a family sends out their best. A family works through the mess. A family partners with others in kingdom ministry. And the last thing is that a family embraces the mission. Verse 17 says, And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Here's what we know about Archippus. We gather through context that Archippus would have been leading the Colossian church while Epaphras was away in Rome with Paul. And so, so here, here's, I, I, I can't help but imagine, I, I imagine that he is weary. I imagine that he is investing. I imagine he's stepping out of his comfort zone. I think there's probably times when it's like, okay, Epaphras, when are you coming back? Because, <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't sign up for this thing full time. But he's just faithfully serving. And so the way they would do it is not everybody had a copy of God's Word, but they would gather around the reading of the letters. And I want you to think about what Archippus must have thought when they're gathered around the word and they're reading this letter and they're coming down towards the end of the wire and all of a sudden he hears this in the letter, Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. And I, I, just, I can just imagine his, his chin kind of lifting up a little bit. And I imagine his heart is smiling because that's what it happens when you encourage one another. Like he gets filled up. And I'm thinking it might even been that encouragement to help him continue on faithfully in the ministry. In my desk drawer, I have a, I have a, 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 deep, a deeper drawer right here on the left. And in it has every single letter or email of encouragement I have received in, since I started serving in ministry. And, and I, I said this last hour, I don't say this to like say, hey, write me notes, please, 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 I'm not saying that. But I'm, what I am saying is this, is encouragement is a gift. A, a encouraged heart is going to be an effective heart. I believe that. And that there are times along the way that we need encouragement. And so Paul is speaking life into this brother. And he is saying this. He's saying, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. And here's my conviction. Every believer, every believer, if you're here in the room, you have a relationship with Jesus. Here's what I believe. I believe you have a ministry. And I believe it is from the Lord. And I believe he uses your unique wiring and gifting and stage of life and all of that. And he uses it to further his mission. And so Paul is encouraging this brother, fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And verse 18 says, I, Paul, last letter, last line. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. I love it. Paul from a jail cell sharing and encouraging this young church and it's all about Jesus staying focused on Jesus we're complete in Jesus that in Christ we have everything we need we are complete in him whether things are at peace around us or whether there is unrest around us whether there is a global pandemic happening whether there is not a global pandemic happening that through it all, the mission of God continues and at times even thrives, even thrives in difficult times. And so this is why Paul is saying, chin up, chin up, keep your eyes on Christ and for his glory, 
for his mission. On our refrigerator, I brought a couple of these. Maybe your fridges might have something like this, but, but I want to introduce you to a couple people real quick, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us up. But uh, this is Luke and Tawny. Luke and Tawny, uh, a younger couple, they, they were a part of our campus down in Florida, and in their time there, surrendered to the mission field. And currently, they are serving in La Paz, Honduras. Now, many of you, we've had a ministry to Honduras here at First Baptist for many years and, and so thankful for that partnership. And so, why do, I, why do I keep this picture? Why do we keep this picture on a fridge? To remember them. <laughs> why? Because it's so easy to just go about our day. So easy to just keep going. But here are two young adults who have said, you know what? God has put a calling on our life to go and serve on foreign soil. I have uh, uh, this is the Howard family. Jonathan's a buddy of mine. He used to be the, uh, the basketball chaplain for Mercer, University of Mercer over in Georgia. And uh, now he and his wife and three kids are going to plant a church in Cincinnati. They're in the very early stages. They still live in Georgia right now. But January 1, the plan is that they're going to be boots on the ground in Cincinnati planting a church. This is my friends right here. I want to remember them. I don't want to forget. I want to remember them. So we keep them there. Carla and Kevin Boot. This is a precious family, uh, very dear to us, a family that we support and love. And uh, they are missionaries in Brazil. And my lovely bride served alongside them when she was a missionary there in Brazil. And, and so we have these, these pictures and, and these letters. And it's like, remember, 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 mission, mission, mission. This is what you're made for. You're made for mission. And so as we wrap up this text this morning, I just encourage us in a couple, a couple ways is number one, Howard Hendricks said this, everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a, a Timothy. Everybody needs a Barnabas. Everybody needs a Paul, a mentor, a, 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 a mother, a father in the faith that has a little bit further down the road, maybe a little more wisdom, a little more experience. And uh, I sat in connect group or sat in Sunday school uh, last hour with Mr. Carey. And, and, and we were talking about Abraham and Lot and how kind of they came to this decision time between him and Lot and the land. And, and Abraham just kind of basically said, hey, you, you pick which land you want. I'll take the other one. And what you see is this season, sure perspective on decision making. And he's walking through that. And, and, and so what I see in that is, is we need those Abrahams, we need those Pauls, we need those people who may have a little different perspective than we do to give us wisdom along the way. We need a Timothy, we need somebody we're investing in, a son or daughter in the faith, a protege, somebody we're pouring into. We all need a Barnabas, we all need somebody in our corner cheering us on, praying for us, just kind of being there along the way because don't we all need that encouragement, so we need that. And so if you have that, praise God. If you don't have that, pray for that. You might even approach someone and say, hey, can we grab lunch once a month? Something like that. I just want to sit and listen to you talk. <laughs> like just, just pour into my life. Give me some wisdom. We all need it. And so we need those, those, those guys, those ladies in our lives. A second truth is this, is be encouraged. Fulfill your ministry. It may look different through the years. Seasons of life may look a little bit different, but be encouraged. Fulfill your ministry. You've received this from the Lord. This is a divine stewardship that we've been entrusted with. And so we, we pray, God, show us, reveal to us, what, what, what ministry are you calling us to? And to be engaged in the mission. And the last thing I would say is this, is uh, 
we're all different. We're all unique. I know I shared that a while ago, but I love, I love that our past doesn't paralyze us. And I love that, that in the family of God, there is a place for everyone. There's a place for everyone. I've heard it said the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? And so, and so this encouragement is this, is that if you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus, we have the gift and blessing to be a part of a wonderful family. We're part of a local faith family and we're part of a family that's worldwide. But also, I would say, if you're here listening online and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I would say this, there's a place for you. There's a place for everyone. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, that's everybody, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I mentioned you were created for a relationship with God. You're created for a relationship with others. God has created you for a relationship with him. It's only through a relationship with him that you will find peace that you will find purpose. It's true. And so my encouragement is this, is are you a part of the family of God? It is a yes or no question. And if the answer is, I'm not, let me encourage you. And the invitation is always there. Christ says, come to me. All ye who are weary, heavy, laid, heavy burden, I will give you rest. And there's only rest through a relationship with Jesus. Say, how do you do that? How do you begin a relationship with Jesus? The Bible walks us through. It begins with acknowledging that you need a Savior. As long as somebody doesn't realize they need a Savior, they don't need Jesus. But we all need a Savior, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. None of us have it together. We all fall short. And there's a way comes to our sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. But here's the good news. But God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So even though our past, even though our sin, even though our unwise, sinful choices, God loves us yet. And he made a way. He was crucified on the cross for our sin. He was placed in the tomb and he rose from the dead the third day. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You were made for a relationship with God. You were made to be a part of the family of God. And so my appeal to you is if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, may today and even this moment be that time. So we're going to pray together. And as we do, we're going to just have a time to soak in this word and, and, and pray through this word. And, and if you would want to have prayer, one of our pastors will be down front. If you want to come to this altar, I mean, you know, like lay over the shoe boxes. It's all good. <laughs> like pray at the altar, pray at your pew, like turn, like your pew can be an altar, but like, let, let's give our hearts to the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. Because look at the family, isn't it? You got, you got failures. Can anybody relate? I can. You got people with a past. You got people can relate. I can. You got, you got people who have, who have been through the thick and thin and you kind of like, listen, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this closing of this letter. Thank you, God, that we are not in this alone, but we have the gift of your spirit. We have the gift of your word. We have the gift of the family of God. And so, God, may we surround ourselves and intertwine our lives 
with others in the family of God. May we be sensitive and encouraged and challenged that we are to fulfill our ministry that we have received from the Lord. That there is a mission God has invited us and commissioned us to be a part of. And so may we be sensitive to where that is to plug in and that there is absolutely nothing, there is nothing that will prevail against the church and its mission. So God, we move forward in faith and with our eyes focused on you. And God, today, if there's anybody here who doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray today will be that day. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. And again, if you want somebody to pray over you, we're here. We're a family. If you want to come and pray, come and pray. If you're here, you're like, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Come. We would love to, to share with you, encourage you, pray with you. But let's give our hearts and our, our focus to the Lord and what he wants to do in our hearts.